everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Mindful Matters podcast. I'm your host, Elaine Clark, and my guest today is a former athlete, a mental health coach, an entrepreneur, and the creator of Head First. Cody Ohm spent years struggling to uncover the root cause of his mental illness, which later became the inspiration to not only share his experiences with others, but to build initiatives that empower people to proactively take control of their mental health. In today's episode, Cody and I get into his own personal experience of concussions and his struggle with depression. We talk about the multi-layered concept of self and the narratives we create from our experiences. We touch on some key steps that you can take to support your mental health. And we also talk a little bit about the masks of masculinity, which I think is a really important topic when it comes to men's mental health. So as always, thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode. Cody, thanks for taking the time to be here with us today. Thanks so much for having me. So just to kind of orient the listener a little bit, uh, let's go back to 2012 and walk us through what was going on for you at this time in your life. Yeah. So, I mean, we can, I guess we can jump right into it. Um, So in 2012, that was right when I started to deal with my adversity. Um, So at the time I was playing junior hockey, Uh, I was going to to the university and, and pursuing an economics degree. Um, you know, I had amazing friends, amazing family, everything was kind of going the right way. Um, and so that was in like the fall of that year. And and about two months later, uh, I found myself quitting hockey, quitting school, um, pretty much drinking every day and and isolating myself. And, and kind of the worst part was, is, you know, I, I really didn't know why. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I did a really good job at, at trying to hide it for a while, but it got to the point where, where my parents stepped in and, and that was kind of the start of, um, yeah, that adversity, that three, three and a half plus years trying to, to find, trying to find an answer. So Cody, what, um, what was the, you know, kind of what was going on through your mind at that time? Like, did you, um, like, I'd love to, if you can just share a little bit more detail about what you, what, what that felt like for you. Yeah, for sure. So it was, it was really strange. And to be honest with you, I really didn't know why I was feeling that way. Um, it kind of started with, you know, just feeling really anxious around my friends and family and, and, and even sports and stuff as well. Um, you know, I couldn't really sleep. Um, and you know, I was just like in a really weird spot and it kind of spiraled out of control. Um, like I said, my parents eventually stepped in and, and kind of with their help, I started looking for answers. Um, Mm -hmm. so naturally with them, um, you know, kind of the the stuff was new to us and we, we really didn't know where to start, but you know, naturally was the fam- the first stop was the family doctor. Um, so, you know, I kind of went in there and, and unpacked how I was feeling to the best of my ability. And, you know, without even blinking an eye, you know, he told me that I had depression, um, you know, that he was going to give me this antidepressant pill and it was going to solve all my problems. And, and you know, like I said, that was kind of the start of, of three, three and a half years of, of trying to find an answer. So, um, you know, during that time, um, I actually ended up leaving school. Like I said, I wasn't playing hockey. I, I moved back home and, you know, I saw 30 plus medical professionals trying to find an answer. Um, you know, saw therapists, psychologists, multiple family doctors, naturopaths. Um, you know, I even saw a hypnotist at one point <laughs> was uh, literally willing to try anything or, or see anyone that could potentially help. Um, but about two years into that journey, uh, I got some blood work done finally. And uh, to my surprise, my testosterone level actually came back at zero. And, uh, you know, the doctor at the time kind of looked at the test and, you know, he kind of looked at me and was like, oh, man, don't worry about this. Like, you're a healthy guy. It must have been a mistake. But, you know, to me, it kind of raised a red flag. Um, so he was resistant, but we asked him to to do the test again. And, 
And sure enough, the same result came back. Um, so I really had no idea about the relationship between testosterone and, and all the mental health stuff that I was going through, but, um, you know, it was an obstacle. So, uh, he, he referred me to an endocrinologist and, and I started looking for, for help from that perspective. Um, actually the first two guys that I saw, uh, first two endocrinologists that I saw wouldn't help me. Um, they actually accused me of taking steroids and, and, uh, figured that that was the, the reason my natural production was shut off. Uh, meanwhile, I just like worked out and played sports my whole life. Um, and that was super frustrating. And at the time, you know, I, I pretty much felt broken. Um, I was spending, you know, time downtown Toronto at the, the mental health hospital. And, um, you know, like I said, I moved back home, I was completely isolated and I just, I was completely lost. And, uh, you know, during that time, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was awful. I, I, I was a mess and, you know, my parents, uh, my parents didn't give up and, and we asked for one more referral. And, uh, that's when I found, uh, Dr. Comer. So he's an endocrinologist out of Burlington, but uh, he was also the head doctor for the Toronto Rock. Um, so it was actually amazing. I actually got in to see him within two weeks of the referral, which uh, was super lucky. And uh, to my surprise, this experience was completely different. Um, so I walked in there and, you know, the first question Comer asked me was if I played sports. And, you know, I kind of, it kind of took me by surprise. I was like, why are you asking me this? Man, like, we're not, we're not here to really talk about that stuff, but you know, at the same time I answered yes. And then he asked me what I played. I said hockey. And, you know, then he asked me how many concussions that I had. And, um, <laughs> uh, you know, I said three and three for sure. And, you know, I definitely played, played with a few more and, uh, basically went, okay, I think I know the answer. So basically Comer began to explain how, you know, optimal hormones are absolutely critical for overall health and well-being, And that, you know, when our testosterone or hormone levels are zero, that, that, that was probably the reason why I was feeling that way. Um, and then he went on to tell me that when you get a concussion, uh, it causes inflammation in your brain and that inflammation can lead to the dysfunction of your pituitary gland, which is the, the part of your brain responsible for all that, uh, all those important hormones and their production. And, uh, yeah, so basically Comer determined that the concussions that I had playing hockey was a root cause of my testosterone deficiency, which was causing all of that stuff. Um, he ended up prescribing me TRT, so testosterone replacement therapy and a few other things started injections that day and and to be honest with you i was i was better in a month it was it was a completely night and day difference um felt like i had my life back uh within three months i was on a slew of you know antidepressant anti-anxiety medication within three months i was completely off all that um but yeah so it, it was a crazy journey and um you know sharing that experience uh was kind of the reason as to why i started head first and i guess why why we're uh having this conversation mm-hmm. Well, absolutely. And, you know, thank you so much for, for sharing that to, you know, the depth that you just did. Um, what I find really interesting is that, you know, so often with, you know, with mental health, um, there, you know, there aren't those, uh, there's both physical and emotional symptoms or emotional and mental symptoms. And a lot of the studies have shown that it's easier for men to kind of acknowledge their physical symptoms rather than the emotional ones. Uh, so their mental health problems often get, you know, undiagnosed. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love that this, you know, this doctor was able to draw a link between you know, a past experience of concussions to your mental health. Um, Just out of curiosity, you know, during that time when you were experiencing depression, did you have both physical as well as, you know, the emotional mental symptoms? And and what were some of those symptoms that you were experiencing? Yeah, for sure. So on the physical side, I mean, 
when it came to the stuff that I was experiencing, um, from the outside, you probably wouldn't know it, right? Like you can see a broken leg, but you can't really see what's going on inside someone's head. Um, and you know, physically, you know, I lost a bunch of weight, uh, I lost a bunch of muscle. Um, and that was really the extent of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then on the mental emotional side, you know, just anxiety, depression, lack of sleep, lack of interest, lack of drive, um, you know, to cope with that, I was drinking all the time. Um, I was just in a, in a really, really rough spot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, something I was also kind of reading recently was that the, the greatest evidence of male vulnerability is in the suicide statistics. Um, I was reading that, you know, just among Canadians alone, uh, in all ages, it's, I think it's something like four out of every five suicides are male. And so mm. the code kind of governing men's behavior is one of the, uh, you know, the prime barriers preventing men from actually seeking help. And men often, you know, see seeking help as being weak and unmanly to admit, uh, you know, feelings of loneliness or despair or just feeling down about themselves. Um, I know that you also have some experience with, um, you know, deaths by suicide. Would you feel mm -hmm. comfortable maybe sharing a little bit with, you know, with us today about that experience? Yeah, for sure. So I'll maybe rewind a little bit and go back to my story. But like I said, after after three months of finding that treatment, I was it was a complete night and day difference. And, and like I said, I kind of you know had my life back. Um, but during that three three and a half years where I was you know looking for answers, I actually had four friends that I played hockey with that um, took their own lives, um, which was pretty crazy. And and it really made me think, you know, like you know, even if it wasn't exactly you know, what my buddies went through, I thought that by sharing my experience, I could potentially help somebody else. Um, so, you know, I packaged that, that experience up and threw it into a Facebook post. And um, to my surprise, it got a lot of attention. And, and I've had thousands of conversations with people all around the world about this stuff. Um, but yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy. Um, you would never know, like those guys that I played with, um, on the outside, they had everything going for them. They had friends, they were uh, awesome family. Um, they were really good at their sport. They were going to school. They all had awesome things going on. But um, yeah, you would have never known that inside that they were struggling that much. And, you know, I think a lot of the time, especially as guys, but, you know, driven people in de general, we always get so caught up in trying to impress others and fulfill these identities that we forget to focus on what we already have and, and what we truly want. Um, and, you know, we just end up chasing stuff. And, uh, you know, we often neglect our own needs and, and we're afraid to be vulnerable so that when something is going on, we just don't deal with it. And, you know, we see this all the time in sports, um, especially, especially with injury and mental illness, you know, both those things that both, both those things, pe other people can't really see um, on the outside. And, and no one really wants to be that person that raises that, that hand or is that guy that has to sit out or, or take time off. And, you know, especially as you start playing at a higher level. Um, and money's involved or your spot on a team is jeopardized if you take that time or, or open up, it can be it can be really tough. And I feel like that's a huge reason why people don't end up opening up. And um, ultimately, you know, in, in the case of my buddies and so many other people, it, it just um, snowballs to uh, something that they can't handle anymore. And it's um, yeah, it's, it's it's honestly really crazy. Yeah, no. 
I agree with you. And, you know, men's mental health in general is is being called a silent crisis or a sleeper issue. So around the world, you know, studies are are shedding light now on the on the shadow subject of men's mental health. And something that I've also noticed, you know, in my communities and especially in men in, in you know, my communities is that no matter how much uh, appears to be happening on the outside, like you were saying, you know, money, status, success or fame, uh, it can never really make up for, you know, the deep pain and suffering that that's happening on the inside, like old wounds or certain beliefs or patterns. Uh, can you can you talk to us a bit about the masks of masculinity? Uh, this is actually a, a book by Lewis Howe. This this title is actually a book by Lewis Howe. Um, can you touch on this? You know, from your experience, uh, both as a male, but also you know from from your communities. Yeah, for sure. So I've actually read that book. It's, it's awesome. So if any of the listeners are listening and they haven't, I, I, suggest, I highly suggest picking that up. But, mm-hmm. you know, oftentimes we, we get so caught up and society conditions us to believe that we have to fulfill the identity of, of having money or success or, or, or achieving whatever in order to be happy and successful. And, you know, that just leaves us to be super, you know, extrinsically motivated and, and to do things just to, you know, receive that attention and to, to fulfill that identity. But, you know, to some degree, all of that stuff is outside of our control and can be taken away from us, right? So, um, you know, if that's the case <laughs> and, you know, we, we, we lose that identity or, or lose that thing or we're not able to fulfill it, you know, it can end up in us, you know, really not feeling good about ourselves. Um, and and as, at the same time, we can often put our, our own self-esteem and our own mental health on the back burner to achieve it. Um, so it can it can lead it can be a really slippery slope, especially um, if you're not really tuning into your own needs and, and what you really want and, and are just so driven to fulfill that identity of being a man or being successful or, or whatever that is for you. Yeah. And one of the things I wanted to touch on with you today is this concept of, of self, which I think is so often built out of those narratives that we create from our experiences. And um, it's it's very sort of multi-layered. Uh, the concept of self is something that we start molding right from childhood. And I think especially you know, as, as men and, and as a young boy, let's say men are, are often told certain narratives, um, you know, right from a very young age. I'm so curious, like, what would you say are some of the narratives that you've personally struggled with when it comes to this concept of, of self? Yeah. So I I think that's a really good question. And you're totally right. Like ever, as soon as we're we're thrown into this world, we're given labels and titles right away and we're we're expected to achieve them, right? Like as soon as you're born, you're, you know, you're a son or or a daughter and then you're a student and then you're an athlete and then you're, it's whatever. And, you know, so much of the time we assign our self-worth to the fulfillment of that identity or that title. And, and like I said before, with the, um, the masculinity piece, like all of those things are are outside of our control and can be taken away. Um, so for me personally, like what I've struggled with, you know, right from a young age, I found out pretty quickly that I was good at sports. Um, so my self-worth and my concept of self was always tied to that identity of, of being that athlete and being that hockey player. And, you know, I was so focused on getting attention from that perspective. Um, but you know, when things weren't going well, uh, it made me feel like shit about myself. Um, and my mood and my well-being were completely tied to the performance, uh, side of things. Um, so yeah, like all those labels and titles are, you know, outside of our control and can be taken away from us. And in my case too, when, when I was going through my adversity and, you know, I ended up quitting hockey, um, you know, part of me felt like I was missing. Um, and you know, (laughs) that's, that's not a, that's not a good spot to be in, especially, um, like from a mental health perspective. So I, I, I think it's really important for people to realize that they are more than what they do. Um, and that those labels and titles aren't the sole things that define you. 
um, that was one of the biggest lessons that I learned um, kind of on the other side of my adversity and into and, and, and um, getting into the coaching world now and, and kind of learning more about this stuff. Yeah. And Cody, what would you say are some of the big discoveries that kind of stand out to you when it comes to nurturing your mental health? Um, because, you know, you, you have a lot of experience now with kind of taking care of, of your physical as well as your mental health. What are some of those really important steps or practices you've taken uh, personally? Cool. So, yeah, I mean, in, in terms of taking care of my mental health, I think the, the first thing that I, I really focus on is just you know, really giving my body what I need, what it needs. And, and what I mean by that is just really focusing on, you know, getting good sleep, you know, fueling my body and with, with good nutrition and making sure that I'm hydrating and then, and then making an effort to, to get some exercise in and, and move my body every day. I think those three things are the most underrated things that people can do. And, and the thing with those two is they're all within your control. Um, you know, since sharing my story, there, I've had thousands of conversations with people all over the world about this stuff. And they all come to me looking Oftentimes people come to me looking for, you know, a magic solution or an exercise or, or something that they can do, um, mm -hmm. you know, to, to help them get back on track. And I, I always point to those three things. Um, you know, you can do that now. <laughs> and uh, like I said, it's completely within your control. Um, the second I feel super important is, is just surrounding yourself with good people. Um, you know, I've been lucky enough to, I have an awesome girlfriend and, and amazing friends and family up here, but um, you know, it, it's been a process of, of cutting people out of my life and, and, you know, finding other ones that are a little bit more in alignment with, um, you know, who I am and, and where I want to go. And, and I feel like that's super, super important. Um, and then the third is just, is just really just working on your mindset and, and those belief systems and, um, really just learning to focus on, on what you can control. Um, you know, we can control our perspective, we can control our attention, our attitude and, and the effort that we put in. And, you know, really, again, just focusing on what you can control is, is so important when it comes to our mental health. Yeah, absolutely. Mindset, I think, is so key. And, you know, one of the things that I, I kind of wanted to build on with you in today's chat was uh, this idea of, you know, success, the mindset that we create around success. So I think in the self-help, in the self-development world, uh, not a lot of us are, not a lot of people are defining kind of what success is. Um, and so, you know, that can be a huge uh, motivator for a lot of people, like that striving sort of attitude. Um, if you had to personally define success in a sentence, like how would you define that? Yeah. So, so this is a really good question. Um, you know, this is kind of the whole point of the coaching and, and everything that I'm up to now, but in terms of that definition into one sentence, I, I'd really say it's just, you know, realizing how awesome you already are while taking action on the things that you want to do. Yeah. You know, I think that a lot of this health help self-development stuff, you know, success is, is really gray and there's no, um, you know, everyone's definition is different, but you know, all those books, all those, all the coaching, all the things really boil down to, to three different things. And, um, you know, it's number one, developing clarity on, you know, who you are and, and how awesome you already are. Um, you know, we already know the answers, um, and everything that you need is already inside of you. Um, you know, that's to be honest with you, why I get so frustrated seeing a lot of the self-help and self-development, um, stuff out there is a lot of the time um, it conditions us to believe that we have to find our purpose and find all this stuff. But, you know, we already know the answers for the, for, for that, for the majority of the thing. It's just a matter of getting out of our head and, and really diving into our heart to figure that out for ourselves. And then the second piece is, is taking action. And, you know, in order to do that, we need to have a mindset 
um, you know, that works in our favor and, and get our brain to work in our favor. And, and then we need to take action on, on the stuff that we, we truly want, not what other, not what we think we should do based on what other people want, <laughs> if that mm-hmm. makes sense. And, and at the yeah. same time, we go from zero to a hundred. Uh, I think, you know, direction is a lot more important than speed and uh, we just need to focus on showing up and, you know, little by little, a little becomes a lot. Yeah. Cody, can you give us a bit of an intro into what you're doing now in the world to support others? I love, you know, what you've created with Head First. Uh, talk to us about why you started Head First and can you walk us through, you know, the three pillars of the brand, which I believe are awareness, resources, and coaching? Yeah, for sure. So Head First really started from me sharing that Facebook post about four years ago. Um, you know, after I packaged up my experience and put that out to the world, um, you know, having those having thousands of people reach out and, and being able to point people in the right direction and, and you know really help people was one of the most rewarding things that i've ever done so you know i always wanted to i always knew that i wanted to do something with it um and saying that right at the same time i made that post uh, was when i was starting my e-commerce company um so you probably don't know this but i actually built and sold a handbag brand uh, mm-hmm. that I, I did for three three and a half years so this whole head first project kind of sat on the back burner um, but we actually exited the business about a year and a half ago. And, and when we did that, um, that's when I really wanted to, to do something with this. So, um, you know, the original mission of Head First was to make the world aware of the impact concussions have on, on hormones and mental health. Uh, but I quickly realized that A, hormones are complicated. Uh, B, I, I know absolutely nothing about them. <laughs> and C, it just wasn't the direction that I wanted to go. So, um, you know, I've pivoted a few times, but at the start of this year, um, I really, um, found a direction that I was happy with. And like I said, or like you said, there's really three core pillars to it. Um, so the first is awareness. Uh, it's, it's sharing my story and, and other people's story and, and kind of the narrative that I have there is, um, you know, we always talk about how courageous it is to speak up about our injuries or, or our mental health. But at the same time, when we're doing that, we're just reinforcing how hard it is in the first place. Um, so the narrative that I have with it is just that, you know, it's really just like the cool and the smart thing to do. Like we, we only have one brain, you might as well take care of it. Um, so that's the first piece is the awareness piece. The second is, is providing a list of trusted resources. Um, so obviously going through my, uh, adversity and, and talking to so many people going through theirs, uh, it became very evident that finding the right help can be pretty hard. Um, so I've got a trusted list of consolidated clinical resources from a mental health or a concussion standpoint that I point people to should they need clinical help and they're reaching out. And then the uh, the third aspect is is coaching. Um, so this past summer, I created a program called Head to Heart. Um, and it's an eight-week group coaching program that helps people get out of their head and dive into their heart to develop mental clarity, uh, build their mindset up, and uh, more or less create real positive change. Um, and then aside from that, I actually uh, went back to school and I'm, I just finished up a, a mental performance uh, coaching certification for athletes. Uh, so playing sports and, and obviously just speaking to a number of athletes since I started this brand, uh, there's been a huge gap uh, all the way up from, from minor hockey, all the way up to professional sports. And, you know, all these teams are, are doing everything from a physical perspective, but there's really nothing being done from the mental side of things. Um, you know, all these teams have a, a therapist um, that comes in at the beginning of the year and, and kind of gives them their little spiel and, then, you know, really sits on the back burner. Um, but there's nothing being done from like a proactive perspective to A, make sure that the the players never have to reach out to that person and, and B, to really help the the athletes feel and perform at their best. Um, so starting in the new year, I'll be working with with uh, athletes one on one and with a number of teams as well um, to really help them, uh, you know, 
from a, a mental perspective uh, and just to, to really take their own mental health back into their hands and, and to uh, just give them all the skills and the tools that they need from a proactive perspective so that, again, they can feel and perform at their best. Yeah, I love it. And and I think that this is uh, really a need that uh, that you're filling. So I think the work that you're doing is so important. And I want to thank you so much, Cody, for, you know, speaking to us today about this pretty sensitive topic. Um, you know, how can you know, how can our listeners connect with you at this time? What's the best way that they can reach out to you? Yeah, for sure. Well, first of all, Elaine, thank you for, for having me. I really enjoyed our conversation here. Um, but yeah, in, in terms of uh, contacting me, uh, I think the best place is Instagram. Uh, so you can find me on there at Head First Movement. Uh, head First is spelled with a one S T instead of the word first after head, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yep. Um, and then, yeah, the website is headfirst.co. Um, so those are the two best places to find me. But um, yeah. Awesome. Well, Cody, thank you so much for taking the time to be here with us today. I really appreciate it, Elaine. Thanks so much for having me. The Mindful Matters podcast is written, hosted, and recorded by me, Elaine Clark, edited by Karen Zorzi, art by Tani Stoiber, and music by Bell Woods. If you'd like to support the podcast, please leave us a five-star review and share with your friends and family. Website and resources mentioned in the episode can be found in the episode notes. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Blue Matter Project. No way.